Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Grammar Girl here. Sometimes there's a topic that doesn't quite defy explanation, but certainly gives one pause in the undertaking. Lucky us, that's where we find ourselves today. Why gerunds take a possessive before them. Oi. Let's start with what a gerund is. It's a verb form that resembles an adjective or adverb, but is actually a noun. It's one of the ing forms of verbs. In other words, it's a noun that's trying to trick you into thinking it's a verb. The other ing forms are those that are part of a complex verb form called the present progressive, and those that are participles. So a verb ending with ing can be one of three things, part of the present progressive, a participle, or a sneaky dirty gerund. First, let's dispense with the present progressive ing form of any verb. It's important to understand the verb forms so you don't confuse them with the gerund, the noun form. Here's an example using the present progressive. Ignaz is mowing the lawn. It denotes a current ongoing process. The subject is Ignaz, the verb is mowing, and the direct object is the lawn. Mowing is a verb. Done. A participle is what we call a verb such as crying when it's used as a modifier. It can be an adjective, as in, the crying man's co-workers comforted him with apples. Here, the adjective crying modifies the noun man, the crying man. A participle can also be used as an adverb, as in, the man ran crying out of the cinema. Here, crying modifies the verb ran, describing how he ran. The man ran crying. Now that we have the verb and participle out of the way, let's move on to gerunds. Here's an example of a sentence with a gerund. Crying can relieve stress. Here, crying is the subject of the sentence. You can see that it's acting like a noun because you can replace it with something that's more obviously a noun, like dogs. Dogs are clearly nouns, and you could say dogs can relieve stress. See how you can replace dogs with crying? Dogs can relieve stress, and crying can relieve stress. Crying is a gerund, a thing that looks like a verb but is acting like a noun. Okay, so now you understand gerunds. Let's build on that knowledge and figure out how to deal with possessives before a gerund. People ask about this a lot. Here's an example of a correct sentence. That baby's crying is getting on my nerves. You wouldn't, or at least shouldn't, say, that baby crying is getting on my nerves. For although the baby may be irritating you, the real source of your nervous irritation is the crying itself, and therefore crying is the subject of the sentence. Alternatively, you might say, that crying baby is getting on my nerves, and then baby is the subject of the sentence, as well as the object of your disdain. But crying is no longer a gerund in that sentence. It's become an adjective. You can tell because you can't replace crying with a noun anymore. 
you've got that crying baby is getting on my nerves. You can't say that dog baby is getting on my nerves. <laughs> At least you shouldn't say that. It would mean something strange and different. Anyway, back to the baby's crying. It's the crying, again, that's the noun and subject, so the modifier needs the proper structure. In this case, the possessive form, babies. Whose crying is depriving you of your nap on the plane? The baby's crying, that's whose. Let's take another example, because this is a tricky grammatical issue. That's why it's so common to hear it said the wrong way, to the point where the wrong way sounds right and the right way sounds wrong. Hold steady and do it the right way. Be brave. Let's say a colleague has agreed to take your work shift so you can attend a family event out of town. How would you express your gratitude? Of course, taking that person to lunch would be a gracious gesture, but how would you thank your colleague verbally? I appreciate you filling in for me, Myrtle, would be the common, although incorrect, way of acknowledging the kindness. Though you might appreciate Myrtle for filling in for you, and you certainly could express it that way, you really appreciate the filling in itself. Therefore, because it's Myrtle's filling in that's the object of the verb appreciate, you'd say, I appreciate your filling in for me, Myrtle. Similarly, you might say, I love that tenor's singing. Much clearer this time, because the object of your affection is the singing, not the tenor himself. Whose singing do you love? The tenor's. Maybe you've met this fellow and he's an insufferable lout, but his mellifluous crooning makes you weak in the knees. I can't stand that tenor, but I adore his singing. Is it starting to make a bit more sense now? Remember that the ing form is a noun. Some people find it hard to remember, so here's the quick and dirty and we hope simple tip to guide you. Differentiation is key. Are you appreciating or abhorring the person or the deed? Almost invariably in this construction is the deed. So let the person own the deed. The baby's crying. The tenor's singing. Myrtle's filling in. Those in the know will notice our saying it and writing it correctly. It's been quite a while since I've asked you to tell me about yourself, so we put a listener survey back up in the sidebar at the Grammar Girl section of quickanddirtytips.com. If you could take a minute to visit the website and take the survey, I'd appreciate it. Of course, we ask you about your demographics, but there's also a free form section where you can tell us what you like and dislike about the show, and I really enjoy reading those. Also, I'll be starting my book tour in a couple of weeks, and in that same sidebar on the website is a sign-up button for the free Grammar Girl email newsletter. Sign up for that newsletter to get all the details about the tour and a free daily grammar tip. This podcast was written by Rob Rinalda, executive editor for Reagan Communications and WordZar on Twitter. That's word underscore C-Z-A-R. And I'm Mignon Fogarty, the author of the forthcoming book, The Grammar Devotional. That's all. Thanks for listening. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen, remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, 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 of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. <laughs> well. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. Cheers to a great day and this ice-cold Corona. You know what would make this day even better? My grandma's carne asada. Or your grandma here with us, making carne asada. She does love a cold Corona. Throw in some dancing. Oh, we can watch the game. I'll drink to that. So a backyard concert with football, food, dancing, and Corona? And your grandma. Or we could keep it simple. Simple is good. Want a Corona? 
Thanks. Salute to the perfect day. Corona, la vida más fina. Get your Corona at ordercorona.com. Relax responsibly. Corona extra beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois.